in the ballpark, season 2020, here we go! Welcome back to another episode of In The Ballpark. It is very, very exciting to be here with you all and to have your company. Let's get straight into the introductions. Introducing the umpire who is currently pumping iron like you wouldn't believe to get his barrel-sized chest ready for the 2021 season. The barrel-chested goal umpire. He's got to have the biggest barrel chest of a goal umpire I've ever seen, that man. Watch out, all you cherry pickers going back with the flight. Our man, Ryan Fryzy Hartwick, is going to bowl you over. Welcome, Fryzy. Serps, thank you very much for that, uh, once again, incredible introduction. I think we all, uh, we all know in this conversation that the only iron I'd ever be touching is the one in the laundry. But anyhow, <laughs> look, uh, that's very, very lovely of you. Great to be back again. The week flies around, doesn't it? It certainly does, mate. And of course, you know who I'm referencing here, Barrel Boy. And Barrel Boy agrees. Or oh, the Barrel, yes. Uh, I think I'd probably live to 150 and not look like that, that's for sure. And introducing the statistician who knows how many cannolis Stewie Jew had at the Gold Coast Suns Christmas in July celebration. How many families are related in the Collingwood cheer squad and how many Victorians are currently swimming to Tasmania and how many cheese Richie Benno said during his illustrious commentating career. Ex Maxi Choo 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 Train Tonna. Maxi, welcome to you, mate. It's two for two, two, two. Good to be back, sir. Thanks for having me. I think Stewie Drew had a lot of cannolis and Richie Berno said a lot of chew. Two, 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 two. Very well done, sir. As I tell you, two from two again, same as every week. And of course, it is my pleasure, therefore, lastly, but of course, not least, the man you are guaranteed to find looking for records at the end of a football match. The man who starts his Movember growth 11 months earlier and the man who will secretly eat more cannolis at the Gold Coast Suns Christmas in July celebration, it is Michael. Leave the smart-ass comments, grab the cannolis, Serpel. <laughs> and a big welcome, of course, to you too. Leave the gun. Take the cannoli. Gents, let's get into one of the biggest topics circulating in the AFL community this round. It is, of course, the bumps from round six. We had four bumps that were assessed by the match review officer, Michael Christian, all as careless conducts. All four bumps were also viewed as making high contact, but each was classified as a different impact grading, leading to different sanctions. Gentlemen, put on your Essendon caps for just one moment and tell me whether the Dylan Shill bump deserved two weeks. Here we go. (laughs) Three Essendon sports consoling each other. I thought he was stiff just because based on previous weeks, um, I've sort of mentioned this already in our last couple of podcasts going a few weeks back, but the MRO seems to mainly go off what is the result of the outcome. And it sort of seems that they shifted how they judge in the middle of a weekend. So Gary Rowan does pretty much the exact same thing both cases have the same result. Um, there's no injury to the player. And Dylan Shield gets two weeks. Gary Rowan gets, what, he gets zero or one? Zero? He got none. He got a, I believe he got a so, big, yep. fat So runner. that's just like, <laughs> I don't get the consistency how through a weekend they can change how they, um, how they report certain instances. It's just what confuses me. So... I did hear that Michael Christian 
Michael Christian um, didn't have the North Melbourne medical report on Angus Taylor when he made his initial report, of which had Dylan Shield as a high impact, which gave him the two games. So had he have had the North Melbourne report, then Dylan Shield would probably only be missing one game. So it's just, I know we're three Essendon supporters who are pretty <laughs> angry about it, but it's just like, where's the where's the consistency? It's just what's frustrating about, we've got four cases here with four different results. So <laughs> I'm just sort of, yeah, I'm confused. Whereas the Ben Long ones, it seemed a lot more higher impact. Sean Darcy didn't return to the field, whereas um, Curtis Taylor did. I can understand the three weeks is fair enough, but yeah, I'm pretty disappointed in the Shield result. And Fryzy, uh, to put your umpiring cap on for a moment mm. here, in the actual incident where Dylan Shill did end up bumping Curtis Taylor high, I don't even think a free kick was given. Yeah, I just think um, Maxie's comment there just gets it in a nutshell. Four different outcomes for some very similar acts. I think your comment is, uh, is dead right as well. How, how do you really make a full judgment without the medical report in front of you, especially if you're going to do that for the others? It's, it's baffling. It is very, very ridiculous. Gentlemen, one of the most incredible results, and we spoke about this last week, was that there was no teams playing in their home states over the weekend, yet here you go. The home ground advantage ran wild this week with every home team winning. How about that, gents? That would have to be one of the first times in AFL, VFL history where this has happened. Oh, look, I'm sure Maxie's got the numbers on this. I've got nothing on this, <laughs> but yeah, it's just it's an interesting stat. Yeah, well, it's a bizarre year and it's a bizarre result, but I suppose <laughs> if it's mutual grounds, then it's sort of the home the home ground advantage gets taken away. So for all all of the home teams to win is an anomaly. So maybe we'll see we'll see if that keeps happening. Another thing that I wonder as well, gents, is maybe a reason why this happened was the home change rooms for some of these teams are a lot nicer than the away ones. Yeah, I sort of wonder about that. Um, on local level, you tend to get a few grounds where you sort of see that the away rooms tend to be a lot smaller than the home rooms, but you sort of wonder if that if that still happens at AFL level. <laughs> Maybe you're onto something. The uh, the home team's got the got the luxury uh, renovated rooms that lead into the bar, and then they've they've just sort of stuck the away team just in a little shed out yeah. the back. Well, Maxie, when when you and I went on the England cricket tour back representing our famous oh. school gee some of the away rooms and some of the receptions that we were given were pretty ordinary weren't they they were tiny i remember the first the first game we played was probably the smallest one and we were all shocked <laughs> it's just it's probably the size of my bedroom and there's what like 14 cricketers 14 16 cricketers all in one with their cricket there's, bags so there's so many things fun. not right about that all this gear was thrown on the floor you couldn't see the floor it was just absolutely insane i was expecting because we went to england for us i was expecting us to be in a lord style change room with royal attire and big frames you'd expect uh, nothing but um silver service absolutely ridiculous so I reckon that is a contributing factor. Gents, let's have a look at the round eight fixture. Not this week, but next week's fixture. It has been released. As we know, the AFL this season are releasing their fixtures in two-week blocks. Let's have a look at some of the games and very, very interesting. Gold Coast Suns up against the Western Bulldogs at Metricom Stadium Thursday night football. So the Gold Coast Suns finally get their primetime fixture and the Western Bulldogs are playing very, very attractive footy, albeit except for the weekend. So they also deserve that spot. And on Friday night, it is the GWS Giants up against the Richmond Tigers at Giants Stadium 
in the grand final replay. Another blockbuster clash. On Saturday, Norfolk up against Calden at the Gabba. Sydney up against Hawthorne at the SCG. That may be possibly moved with all of the Woolworths COVID outbreaks currently happening in New South Wales. And during Saturday night, it's going to be Port Adelaide up against St Kilda, the Adelaide Oval. And then on Sunday, Adelaide up against Essendon at the Adelaide Oval. That's an early start. West Coast Eagles up against Collingwood, the 2018 grand final replay at the Optus Stadium, possibly the grand final hosting spot. Who knows? We'll see what happens with that. Mm-hmm. It's, a, uh, it's a big topic once again. And then that evening, we're loving our Sunday night game so far, and so are the broadcasters. Melbourne up against the Brisbane Lions at Metro. Stadium, And then on Monday, July the 27th, Fremantle up against the Cats at Optus Stadium. So that is a Monday game, Monday night. There you go. So possibly the AFL are looking to get some games during some weird days that we don't usually get during the week. Keep your eyes out for that. Gents, what do we think of this fixture and who are some of the big winners out of this? I reckon the Gold Coast. I said a few weeks ago that I wanted a Q clash on a Thursday or Friday night. It's a bit of prime time, so... Oh, bring it um, on. Yeah, hopefully the Gold Coast can remain some form. They went horrible against Melbourne on the weekend, but I think with a few injuries, they might start to fall away during the year. But hopefully they perform well on a Thursday night and hopefully earn that Q clash that I'm after. The game I'm probably most looking forward to is West Coast versus Collingwood. 2018 grand final. It'll be interesting to see how West Coast perform in Perth. So they've got the Dockers this week. It'll be interesting to see if it's the same West Coast that turned up to the hub or if they start to turn their season around. They're 3-3 three and three now, if they can get a run on them. They're going to play Geelong and Collingwood, so there's two um, top eight sides. So it'll be a big game, and as you said, it's the 2018 grand final, which is one of the better grand finals in previous years. So that's probably the game I'm looking most forward to. You speak about um, true home ground advantages. What, what have we got here? It looks like probably a, a count seven true home ground advantages for sides. So doesn't this... Uh, throw things around quite mm. a bit. This is, um, yeah, possibly the start of a big run for teams. Perhaps West Coast, as you mentioned, are in that that category. Um, yeah, this uh, this really does uh, make matters very different. And it's going to be very interesting to see what the fix is going to look like in future weeks. With things having to cram in, possibly, with other sports beginning to start, we might be seeing Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday night football all throughout the week, Chance. Yep, it's a footy feast, isn't it? Now, the competition, it has been confirmed. All 10 Victorian AFL teams will be based in Queensland, potentially into the end of the season. It's understood that officials from the AFL are trying to settle a draw, which would allow teams to fly to South Australia and WA for games against West Coast, Frio, Adelaide and the Power before returning to their Queensland hubs. So... Queensland, you'd have to say at this current stage in the box seat to possibly host their first ever grand final. What do you think about this, gents? So is that based off everyone's going to be moving out of Sydney in the next couple of weeks? It's looking likely that the ANZ Mm -hmm. Stadium won't be the front runner anymore with New South Wales recording new cases of COVID and Queensland not getting any cases of COVID. It's looking like Queensland might be a likely place considering they are having all of those Victorian clubs there at the moment. Yeah, I'm praying that it's not at ANZ just (laughs) because it's it's not my favourite ground to watch. I think there are a few good Sydney first Collingwood games there from memory but other than that it wasn't too attractive but plus Sydney don't play there anymore and the Giants don't play there anymore so would you even say it's still an AFL ground 
you may as well rule it out. Like you said, Maxi, I think they, they didn't they used to save that for the Sydney Collingwood, maybe Sydney Essendon once or twice a year, and that was it. So even then, yeah. they, they were hardly touching it. Yeah, I, I reckon there'd be a lot of Sydney siders that wouldn't be too disappointed about that. Just with the grand final, like everyone seems in a rush to lock in where it's going to be. I think we should be waiting, not till September, but when is it going to be, October or November, to see which teams are competing for it. Because if Port Adelaide or West Coast are in the grand final, then why would we have it at the gap? You should go to, particularly when Perth and Queensland are doing pretty well, coronavirus. So if either of those two teams are in the grand final, then I'd like to see it either at Optus or the Adelaide Oval. I mean, WA and South Australia are traditional AFL states, where Queensland's not. I know Queensland are going to be hosting a lot of games. But considering that South Australia and Western Australia are both doing well, and their traditional mm-hmm. AFL states, and I'd like to see them get rewarded. Maybe if, if Brisbane make it, then maybe they earn their right to get a game at the Gala, but my personal preference would be to see that in South Australia or WA. Yeah, I agree, Maxie. I think it's, I think it's almost a cheap headline, actually, at the moment uh, about the grand final debate. Obviously, it is the biggest day in the AFL calendar, but at the same time, there's still a lot of water to go under the bridge. It's a developing situation every single day, every single hour, essentially. So I think, yeah, we need to put this conversation on pause for a little while and, yeah, see how those free states, as you mentioned, Maxie, the ones that are doing the best with their numbers, how those teams perform and see if they can actually earn the right to gain that grand final. I agree with you, Maxie. I think the spectacle of having a grand final at Adelaide Oval, I've been to Adelaide Oval since it's had its renovation and, my gosh, it's not far from the city. You walk over the bridge and you're there and it's open. It's a beautiful ground and that would be an amazing spectacle if a grand final was being played there. What if it's um, Port Adelaide versus West Coast or Port Adelaide versus Brisbane? Where would you want to see it played? Does it go to who... Who finishes higher, perhaps? I can't think of how else they would decide that. I think it'd be, it'd be foolish to lock it in any time soon. Have you guys seen the, um, the stat where I think it's every leap year the team at round one has gone on to win the premiership going back to 2000? So the Port Adelaide was on top of the ladder at uh, round one this year. So maybe that could mean that we're heading to an Adelaide Oval grand final. There you go. And one of them was, of course, themselves, 04. So, gee, that's uh, probably you're the only bloke that would. That's, um, that's <laughs> I saw that on right. Facebook somewhere. <laughs> we don't, we don't yeah. call it the stat man for nothing. Come on, Maxie. That is a brilliant, right. brilliant stat I can't claim that as my own. It doesn't matter how you get them, that's for sure. <laughs> it, it's, a, it's a cheap one-do disposal, but we don't care. You're getting the pill, mate. At the end of the day, in 100 years' time, we're going to see the disposal numbers, not how you got them, Maxie. That's right. You're in the book. 50-odd thousand. Port Adelaide fans or West Coast at Optus for that regard would just go mad. I'd be worried about the, the safety of the of the structure. Goodness. Gee, there's been some good games, West Coast, Port Adelaide at that ground as well, and a couple of mm. after siren thrillers. West Coast play very, very well there, mind you. So it wouldn't be the biggest advantage if Port Adelaide, maybe bar the crowd, ended up getting that game there against the Eagles. Yeah, I wonder how many West Coast supporters would be allowed to go if it was an Adelaide Oval Grand Final. If they allow, what, 20,000 West Coast supporters cross the border in one week? Yeah, hopefully, first, hopefully, first yeah. yeah. Hopefully we're in a better state COVID-wise by then. But yeah. Oh, yes. Gentlemen, let's get to the round six considerable winners and mammoth losers. Maxie, let's start with you. Who did you have as your considerable winner for this round? I had the Fremantle Dockets. Even though they, they had a poor start considering that they didn't win any games until they played Adelaide, I thought in all their performances they played pretty well. 
In the first three rounds, they played three current um, top four teams. So they played Port Adelaide, Brisbane and Essendon and they pushed all all top, all top three teams. So I thought they were actually pretty impressive. But on the weekend, they beat St Kilda by six points, 79-73. It was a really good win considering the Saints were up by six goals a quarter time. And then Freo kicked five in the second quarter and they finished in front at three-quarter time and then started to kick away in the fourth then got chased down and St Kilda actually drew level with only a couple of minutes to go. But then Fremantle had to win it again, which they did with Lockie Schultz kicking the sealer. Sort of said, they said in the commentary, it was sort of a similar angle that Justin Longmuir kicked that uh, game winner against the Saints all those years ago as well. They did it in the second half with five playing um, not too many midfield minutes in the second half. I think he said after the game that his hamstring didn't pull up that well and they also did it without their ruck. And, um, Sean Darcy got concussed by Ben Long, as we were talking about earlier. So Rory Lobb went into the ruck, but yeah, as I said, Fremantle have been pretty impressive this year, even in their losses. So just to get two wins on the trot now, going into a derby this week, sort of builds that game up a bit as well. But um, they've also got a few good um, young midfielders coming through in Angus Brayshaw, Chera and Tucker, which is just, you've got to remember that um, in the last two years, they've lost a lot of the core midfield that they had. In They lost Lockie Neal, Brad Hill and Ed Langdon, all in the last two years. Overall, they're a pretty young side, apart from, what, David Mundy, Sonny Walters and Nat Five. So, yeah, I've just been impressed with Freo all year. So it was good to see them get a second win in a row and go into a derby this week. So it'll be an interesting game to watch. And it's fair to say, all those listeners out there, to give you a visual perspective of Maxi jumping on the Freo bandwagon, he's wearing the old heave-ho outfit he's got... He's got the beanie on and he's got the, the shirt really tying onto the muscles. And Maxie, you're really <coughs> jumping on board the Frio Heave Hole. <laughs> Maxie, have you got the actual Docker tattoo on your arm? No, I haven't, sir. <laughs> okay, well, we're not if, going if that, that far yeah. quite yet. <laughs> they win the flag this year, I'll get it. All right, you heard it first here on In the Ballpark. <laughs> if Frio win the flag, Maxie is getting a Docker tattoo on his arm. Um, I'm just going to say I am so I'm getting behind Frio for that reason solely now. Absolutely. <laughs> They're hard not to like, aren't they? But uh, I'm actually going to look at uh, Port. We did talk about him just before. Are they back, lads? A few years of not fully realising any of that hype. Probably not even since that, um, that final where they were. I didn't hear you, Maxie. Sorry, my bad. 2014 it was, I think. But it, yeah, that's the one. 14 it was. It, it looked down by um, a kick at the end away from a grand final. That would have been incredible. But look, maybe this is their time, you know. Um, alternative year or not, the pressure was certainly on. So maybe um, maybe their, their opportunity is here. And imagine, just imagine uh, being there at the end and having it at home. That would be, it would be a scene, wouldn't it? Would they wear their um, traditional... Prison bars set. That is a brilliant... I was hoping someone would mention that, Maxi. All I can say is it would be one of those weeks where Koshi and Eddie would be absolutely at each other's throats. I mean, Colin would have said, no, nah, you're not allowed to wear it outside of the showdown, but in a grand final, do you make an exception? Because... Because if Collingwood were to play an, an away Guernsey, they'd be wearing their white with white, the yeah, smaller yeah. strips. But would that clash? Or do they wear the original one, which is all black? Then I reckon that'd be fine. But I don't think Eddie would have it. <laughs> <laughs> And Frizzy, who are some of the players that have really impressed you for Port Adelaide? I think so far landed their recent-ish draft picks um, mm. well. They obviously knew they had to go and do that. It wouldn't have been easy, when, especially when they were right in the frame only a few seasons ago, as we said. I just think that there's been a huge mentality 
shift there. I don't know if we're just a little bit of complacency or whatnot. We we know that they've always had the um, the A graders, especially through the middle of the last few years. I don't know if it if they sort of just thought. Even you go back as far as that prelim final, did they expect it was just going to happen? And it seems like there is a realisation that, well, this is really it. I mean, too many years of, um, you know, average or even below average. I think they might have only made the finals once since then, mm-hmm. off the top of my head. So, look, really not what that sort of list should be putting together. It does feel a bit like now or never for mine. And the trigger in... Ken Hinckley's contract is no finals this season and no contract extension. So with only a couple more wins, you would think that Port Adelaide will get that finish that they were looking for. Yeah, I think so. I think they're, they're pretty safe in that regard. But uh, how deep they'll go, well, they, they've got a huge opportunity, I think. Let's move on to our Mammoth losers for this week. <laughs> so, Maxi, who is the Mammoth loser for you for this round? My Mammoth loser was Sydney, who lost to Richmond by eight points in one of the worst games I can remember. So it was 34 to 26. I sort of, I remember I saw a post on Facebook and I thought, is this the halftime result or is that the full-time result? <laughs> Damien Hardwick and John, John Longmire sort of went head-to-head after the game in sort of discussing what Sydney's, Sydney's tactics were. But um, I, I sort of picked Sydney. Obviously, it was a terrible performance and also because they lost Josh Kennedy, who's done a medial ligament in about six weeks. And also Isaac Keeney, who's done his ankle, will be out for the rest of the year. So Sydney have got a pretty young team at the moment and to lose two of their core senior players when they're already missing Buddy and Sam Reid, particularly to miss Isaac Heaney, who's probably their main sort of focal point up forward at the moment. And just the City Swans, their last three scores are 26, 43 and 39. So I'm just sort of wondering, like, where are their scores going to come from? From what I hear, I think Callum Sinclair and Tom McCartan are a chance to come in this week. But just looking through both their career stats, they both average about 0.5 goals a game. So whether that's actually going to have a big enough effect to boost those scores up from, as I said, their last three scores of 26, 43 and 39. Where are the Swans going to be able to find a winning score? And also just looking at their results, two wins against Adelaide, who are currently 18th, and North Melbourne, who are currently 16th. And the Swans find themselves 17th at the moment and playing Gold Coast this weekend at the SCG. But just looking at the odds, I just think the Gold Coast are a fair chance to win that game. So do they still think that they can play finals this year or are they pushing uphill? So I still like Sydney's list. I think they've still got a lot of good good young players in Ollie Florent and Will Haywood, Blakey, Mills, a lot of others. So I just think this week and particularly in the coming weeks to come, they're going to be struggling. So that's why they're my mammoth losers for the week, sir. My big question to you, Maxie, is if... Buddy Franklin does get fit within this season. Knowing that Sydney probably will finish in the bottom four, is it worth playing Buddy for this season? An interesting question. I know they brought him back for the last game of last year to play his 300th. He was looking good during preseason, but then he broke down just before the games were about to start back again. So do you try and get four or five games into him just because you're paying him, what, a million dollars a year? You want to get some return. And yep. if, he, if, he, if he continues to break down through preseason, maybe you think we might try to squeeze every single game that we can out of him. But yeah, his body's starting to break down. So it's an interesting question whether or not you just save him for the preseason and try to get him through to 2021 with the full preseason. The money can't be ignored. I mean, if someone was to work out a, uh, a cost per minute on the field equation, God, you'd hate, to, you'd hate to see it, wouldn't you? It would hurt a lot of Sydney Swan supporters, I think. Fryzy, let's get to your mammoth loser for round six. 
Yeah, boys, look, I've got to go Hawthorne again. I mean, we're just speaking about low scores. Well, it's been the case for them probably too often. I think behind closed doors there, you might have one pretty cranky coach. And I'll tell you what they have mm. got, just having a little look this week, is a very ageing list. Also, a bit hit and miss the last couple of seasons with the guys they've brought in. The, the hits, are, I mean, they're, they're obvious when you talk about your, um, your Mitchells and O'Meara's and these guys, but um, I wonder where the next even couple of years goes for the Hawks, to be honest. Yeah, as you mentioned there, Frizy, Hawthorne has a very, very ageing list. They're the third oldest in the AFL as we currently speak. Collingwood and West Coast slightly ahead of them. The question is rebuild. Do Hawthorne have enough young talent on that list, enough emerging talent on that list to seriously consider them going up the ladder like what they did in the mid-2000s where they acquired all of that talent, as we know. It's a long process, as we know, but it did work for them in the past. It paid more dividend than they, they could have ever expected. So, look, maybe. Yeah, that's a sort of, that's a sort of thing. There's a, there's a fine balance between making the finals, finishing seventh or eighth, and mm-hmm. being, in, being in no man's land where you, you're not challenging for a flag, but you're also not getting access to high draft picks as well. I was sort of a bit critical. I know they got Chad Wingard in, and I think he's still got a lot of good footy ahead of him. But I thought they could have got that deal done without trading Ryan Burton. He seemed to be probably, along with Warple, the most promising young player. So yeah, I still sort of question that mentality. I think <laughs> I wonder if Adrian Dodoro would have done that trade. And I still reckon they've got a, a really solid AFL top six sort of midfield when you look at O'Meara, Mitchell and Warple. But when you look at their um, forward line, they've sort of got Gunston, who's probably got a few years left. Then you've got Bruce, Puopolo and a few others who are sort of starting to age. So I look at their midfield as sort of is what's going to keep them competitive for the next couple of years. But then you look at where they should be targeting the draft is at either end, considering that they've still got Mitchell and O'Meara and Warple. I think they're pretty stacked. Yeah. in their midfield, where I think they need to draft more forward and back. So. Yeah, it's, it's incredible to believe you were speaking before about Hawthorne kind of, yeah, getting to these good positions, even getting into finals and not really doing much probably since the 2016 season. In 2018, it's hard to believe Hawthorne ended up finishing fourth that season and they ended up going out in straight sets and really didn't look damaging at all against the two clubs they played in Richmond mm. and in Melbourne. I mean... Yeah, it must be concerning. Even if they do make finals, we don't know really how deep they can go and if they will be a real contender. Well, maybe they sort of do what Geelong doing and they just keep going, just keep bringing in free agents and mature age players and see see where it gets them. I mean, Geelong, the last premiership they won was in 2011 and I can't think of how many top 10 picks Geelong have had since 2011, but it hasn't been much. But you sort mm. of think about all the players that they've brought in, we just kept them as a really good side, but they haven't won. So has it worked or has it not worked? It's sort of yet to be seen. But at the moment, it looks like Geelong haven't been able to do it, no matter how good um, Chris Scott's home and away record is. Gentlemen, let's head to Bring It Back, Give It The Sack, Have A Crack. But Bring It Back this week, coaches in the team huddle. We loved what we saw on the weekend. Hinkley was in the middle of the power circle as they sang the song. They were pumping their arms, covering him in water and sports drink. And it was his 300th game as a coach and a player. He's got an AFL life membership. And I love what Ollie Wine said after the game. He's just like any player. It was special to get him in the middle and celebrate his milestone. Gents, 
did we like the look of this? And should more coaches be jumping in the circle for the team song at the end of the game? I like this, but I think it's safe for special events like this. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah I, significant I, wins. Yeah, I can't see Chris Scott or Johnny Westfold getting in the middle of the circle, <laughs> getting Gatorade showers anytime soon. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, it'd be hard to crack a smile there, wouldn't it? I reckon, I reckon Ben Rudden might, but I don't think John Rerswold would be getting anywhere near that team song. No, I think he'd want nothing to do with that. Yeah, I'm a fan. I'm a fan. When, when, there's, when there's that level of emotion attached to a win, absolutely. Let's bring it back. And I must say, gentlemen, back in the day where it was free kick Hawthorne, I reckon they might have had the umpires in the, in the circle as well. <laughs> I think there are a few memes about that, weren't there? Give it the sack. The name for the audio detection on the goalpost. It is called The Edge. All right, fellas, The Ark needs a new name for The Edge. We have Snicko in the cricket, which is an absolute pillar of a name. Of course, we're talking about the microphones, which are within the post known as AFL Edge. They are used to check whether the football makes contact with the post or not. Gentlemen, I've got some suggestions for a new name for The Edge I want your thoughts on these. So let's start with the first one. The Spike McVeigh meter. What do we think about this one? Oh, I like it. Spike McVeigh. <laughs> I don't mind. Right, what about this one? The Rick Olerenshaw scale. Like the Rick the scale because it's got Rick in it. What, what do we think about this one? Not bad at all. I don't know if I'm putting it as the leader, though. Like the angle you've gone for there, though, Serbs. Thank you, gentlemen. I like this one. It rhymes. It sounds catchy and hip. The poster coaster. Yeah, I'm still sticking with Spike. You like the Spike? I'm, I'm, I'm with Spike. Spike, yeah. in fact. Yeah, tough crowd tonight. Let's see if I can get these <laughs> other two names off the ground. Smack, Crackle, and Poster. What do we think about that? Instead of Pop, we put Poster in there. Yep. No, I, I'm, I'm still putting. Uh, I'm still putting Spike on top here at the moment. You got any others, sir? I've got. I've got one more, gents. What about the big mummifier meter? Oh, the big mummifier. The big mummifier meter, gents. The big mummifier meter. I'll give you some context here. Shane Mumford, when he did that big, bruising, crunching tackle against Mitch Duncan, there was, apparently, and I, I, I'm just going off some reports I heard, there were tremors recorded in Japan when that happened. So I'm just saying the big mummifier meter. I see the angle you've come from there, sir. I'm not sure it can beat uh, Spike, though, can it, Maxi? Spike McVeigh, I reckon that's the go, mate. The Spike McVeigh meter is the winner. All right, let's get out of their edge, give it the sack, and bring in the Spike McVeigh meter. Now, have a crack. What about acting training for no prior opportunity? Fryzy, we spoke about this last week, where the player has to make a genuine attempt. Otherwise, they'll get pinned holding the ball. Players get media training, and we've seen why in the past with some players like Clayton Oliver and Travis Cloak making some, some pretty bad blunders. But what about players getting proper acting training for prior opportunity? What do we think about this one, gentlemen? I reckon um, Callum Mills needs some acting training, considering <laughs> did you like see his uh, deliberate rush behind on the weekend? He sort of, yeah, he sort of just stopped and waited for Jack Rewalt to tackle him, and Jack Rewalt just sort of pushed him across the line, and the umpire ended up paying. So I reckon if anyone needs acting training during the week, Callum Mills could probably go to the Dan Rampey School of Acting on how to rush a ball behind. So Dan Rampey does it pretty well. So <laughs> yeah, I reckon you got to. I reckon he needs some acting on that. Yeah, you got to fumble it a few times at least, don't you? <laughs> 
And I mean, gentlemen, if we're talking about acting comparisons here, we've got a B-grade actor in Callum Mills, who's a practically a Ronald Reagan as far as actors are concerned, up against Jack Rewalt, which is practically a Daniel Day-Lewis <laughs> in the way he carries on and acts like a pork chop. So yeah, pretty pretty tough competition, I reckon. Yeah, actors can read actors. So I think Jack Rewalt knew exactly what Callum was up to and sort of jumped at the opportunity to push him over and get a, get a, free, get a free goal for himself on the line. Hasn't been the first time we've seen Jack spit the dummy in the game. Now, gentlemen, let's get to our second have a crack. It's a massive have a... It's a big crack this week. Let's just put it that way. It It is an abyss. It's not even a crack. It is an abyss. The Hall of Fame for the best AFL player, coaches, and umpires' names. Now, on the weekend, let's give this a little bit of context. We had Derek Egmalee Smith... And Andre Giafagna, an umpire, playing oh. in the same game or umpiring the same game during Richmond and Sydney on Sunday afternoon. And it got me thinking, gents, what are some of the best names that we've heard in the game in our history? Look, it's hard, uh, hard not to go past a few of these at the top here, Serpers. And um, actually, there's a, there's a clear theme with some of them too. So it starts off well with Graham Johncock, of course, at Adelaide. Dan- <laughs> Danny Dickfoss at Brisbane. I, I could have sworn you just made that up. And Steel Sidebottom, of course. Current player. So from the first four, we've got three that let's just say the theme is uh, parts of the human body. And <laughs> the list just sort of gets better, doesn't it, sir? What about our man there, Maxi Jason Laycock? Gee, what a what a player he was. What a specimen. What a story. Yeah, they're all pretty similar sort of theme. These names, but <laughs> yeah. um, Wiley Buzzer. That's another one. Zephaniah Skinner, that's a good name. Yeah, Zephaniah, I remember him. He, even his hair matched the name, I reckon. A little bit, little bit left-field, Maxi. Irving Mosquito, that's a good one. Yeah. Jago O'Meara. Lang, Lang Spanderman, is that what you say? I was going to say, what's going on here with this guy? How do, you, how, how do you pronounce that first name? I've just done a Google search, if I may, to verify that this Lane Lalan, however you're going to say it, he, he is a human being and he did play AFL and it fits perfectly with the theme here. Oh, I've seen it. I've come across a picture of he and Jason Laycock battling it out in the ruck. I mean, this is just, this is incredible. This is, this is two from our list. How did I stumble across this? That is, that is an absolute dream scenario for any commentator, I reckon, to have both of those guys playing on each other. That, that would require a uh, straight face in the box, wouldn't it? And it would be very difficult. Who would the Hall of Fame be named after? Oh, it'd have to be Graham Johncock. You'd have to think. <laughs> You'd have to think Stiffy. he's the number one man. His nickname yeah. was Stiff, Stiffy, wasn't it? It was. That's a good yeah. one. Yeah. I was going to ask how they came up with that, but never mind. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get to final thoughts for this week. What games are we excited about in round seven? I'm going to go for Geelong versus Collingwood at Optus. So it'll be the first game with a crowd of, um, I'm hearing about 20,000. So it'd be good to see um, two Victorian teams at Optus Oval with a crowd of 20,000. It'd be interesting, but it's also second versus fifth, um, both winners last week and a massive game for two top four contenders as at the moment, if, if you look at the ladder, there's only one game separating second from 13th. So it's important for both of these teams who want to finish top four to continue getting a win. And Geelong versus Collingwood have both been up there for a long time now. So they've got a bit of a rivalry as well. So that's the game I'm looking most forward to. Fryzy, what game have you got for your most excited for this round? Uh, Serbs, thank you. Gents, I'm going to actually take a look at Carlton Port. This will probably tell us a lot about where 
they are at. And we spoke a lot about Port 4. It's just one that they've got to get the points, don't they? They really should be winning this one. And as we said, they're really only likely a few more wins away now from securing that final spot. And mm. For, uh, for Big Kenny securing that contract. So, yeah, there's a, there's a fair bit uh, on the line here. Two very high-scoring sides as well, Frizy, which is very exciting. And, Maxi, correct me if I'm wrong, 16-7-103 is the highest score of season 2020 so far. I believe so, man. That's incredible. So if we get a bit of a shootout at this game, it's going to be very, very exciting to watch indeed. And my excited about game that I have for this round is the Giants up against the Lions. This is the replay from the semi-final from last year. Very, very close game. One of the best games of season 2019. Except this time, the Giants host this game at Giants Stadium. Third up against 10th, I reckon the Giants have been good in the last fortnight. Probably that 10th doesn't quite display their form. They fell away in the final term last week, but the Giants are still a genuine threat this season, and I still feel like they have a point to prove, and they might feel like that window is closing, albeit with good young talent on that list. So, yeah, Giants' opportunity is now, and I think... What a better opportunity than to possibly put Brisbane with two straight losses. It's going to be a fascinating clash, this one, gents. Who are you tipping, sir? Well, I am going to tip the Lions to bounce back. I know it's it's not at their home venue, but I reckon the Lions are a pretty proud group and they'll be licking their wounds with those big lion tongues and going, all right, boys, let's get back to our best form. So Lions in this one. From memory, the Lions beat um, the Giants at Giants Stadium last year. I think they ran away with it by about five or six goals. I don't think the Lions would be too scared of going to Giants Stadium. And finally, gents, Riley O'Brien, the Adelaide Ruckman, put up a very, very bizarre tweet during the week just before his massive clash against Nit Nat Paddywhack Give a Dog a Bone in the ruck and he pretty much said that Nidnat was a little lazy and he was trying to pump himself up for the game. It's, it's very rare that we see a mistweet from a footballer, particularly against his opposition number. After the game though, it was very, very nice to see Nitnat come over and gift him a new phone, obviously courtesy of Telstra, not Nitnat's salary, but did we like the look of this? <laughs> yeah, it's fair to say I've never seen, um, as I'm sure none of us have, anything like that on a football field. I suppose it's welcome to 2020. That is extraordinary. Yeah, it was pretty interesting. You don't usually see a lot of smack talk going into a game. So I thought it was, I thought it was a bit of fun. Um, Riley O'Brien owned it, which was good. He came out, I think it was like half an hour later with a video explaining what had happened and sort of saying the fact that he's put himself in a hole. Now he's got to walk the walk. I think Nick Matt um, acted pretty well during the game. I think he kicked a goal and sort of pointed at Riley O'Brien. But I don't think Riley O'Brien's the type of guy to go around. I think he's, he seems pretty like a nice fellow. So, yeah, it was a bit of fun. Whether we want to see blokes smack-talking each other over Twitter every week would be interesting. A bit of a Conor McGregor tactic maybe. But, yeah, it was a bit of fun. I liked it. Well, gents, it's been another incredible episode of In the Ballpark. Thank you. It's, it's always wonderful to have your company and to have the full team back together. Take care during this period of time. Stay happy, stay safe, and we'll see you next week. Beautiful. Thanks, sir. Thanks, sir. And likewise to you too. Good on you, guys. Enjoy the Round 7 action this weekend. And thank you so, so much again for joining us for another episode of In the Ballpark. And remember... Not only are we on Apple Podcasts, we are on Spotify as well. So give us a like, give us a listen on there as well and follow our In The Ballpark Facebook page. We will see you next week. Thank you very much for listening. Goodbye.